We all want to feel like we belong, but sometimes it's challenging to find connection in our living spaces, neighborhoods, communities, and relationships. On Home Where You Belong, we're here to change that. Hear stories of people from different backgrounds and from different places and how they've been able to feel more at home to help give you a renewed sense of connection, belonging, and optimism. Welcome to Home Where You Belong with your host, Chip Alford. I love talking to as many people and as diverse of experiences as possible because I am looking for the below the surface, what's truly human about home. The way that I'm doing that is asking people of all races, genders, nationalities, uh, you know, religions, creeds, you know, so on. I'm, I'm really trying to go as broad and as diverse as possible in this research. So that's a high value for me. Matt Barrios is on a mission, helping people create a quality home life that inspires growth, connection, and extraordinary impact. Through his company, Home Life Design Lab, and a podcast he co-hosts with his wife, Lindsay, the California-based researcher, writer, and transformational coach shares research-backed insights gained from experts and everyday people around the world. Well, Matt, welcome to Home Where You Belong. I'm really glad to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Chip. Uh, when I was reading about your podcast and you know, <laughs> listening to a couple episodes, I was like, wow, there's a real kinship here between what you're up to and what I'm up to. So I'm very excited to have this conversation. Thanks for having me on. What inspired you to create the Home Life Design Lab, your, your company, and, and the podcast that you produced, Home Life for Extraordinary Impact? What led to that? think it all comes down to deep intrinsic motivation around home. Like I really, really believe in the value of home. I believe in the connection between home and social impact. Um, that's something that me and my wife together stand for through things like hospitality and everything like that. So in terms of like how it began, the genesis of it was me and my wife had a long conversation where we asked each other if we were to stand for one thing with your life, if you were just all about one thing, what would that one thing be? And she said, deep connection. And I said, home. And it's just so inborn in me. And I mean, we could go, go deeper into that and history for me, but when it comes down to it, like it is the sort of thing that I am deeply passionate about and um, motivated naturally to invest in home and invest in other people's homes and uh, uh, all of that. So that's where it came from. And so you really wanted to, to kind of explore and research what makes homes vibrant or, you know, a place that could, could lead to people being more Im impactful. Why do you think the research and, and the, and the podcasts that you produced are, are needed? Yeah, I think you're bringing in, an important question. So I approach this as a researcher. I am trained in what's called UX design research, which is often applied to technological products. So things okay. like how do you design an app or um, <laughs> something like that. And it is invested in asking questions of people using these products, how to make them better and how to design them better. So I come from that uh, background. I'm trained in that. 
And I started asking the question, what would it look like to apply UX design research to the home uh, where we're not, you know, designing an app interface based off of the, you know, the research that we're doing, the interviews and feedback and insights that we find along the way, but we're actually designing our homes and the makeup of spaces and routines and social life and so on and so forth. So I take this research bent on it and add that with my wife's deep value for a very global perspective. She's a uh, immigration attorney. Um, so oh, she's wow. naturally just like so geared toward uh, thinking about people, different cultures, all of that. And so bringing those two things together, we found this very interesting synthesis of seeking out global perspectives on home to find what are the things across cultures, across nations, across backgrounds that could actually be uh, deeply human about our pursuit of home? And then what would it take to design that so that home is made for humans rather than we just find ourselves kind of in this hidden in plain sight thing of home and we sort of go on automatic with it, forget that we're even at home sure. uh, when actually we can be at home in such a way that it leverages meaningful life, powerful impact in the world, personal growth, deep connection, all of that. Really, really sounds like about being a little more intentional about what we want our, our home to be. What do you, you kind of answered this a little bit already, but, but what are you hoping to accomplish with the, with the research you're doing in the podcast that you're producing? What's, what's the desired outcome? Boy, I'm a big thinker, you know, like I, we have set out our mission to help a hundred million people transform their quality of life at home. Like it's an, you're not, you're not starting small. You're not starting small. You got a big goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's small steps along the way, but like, sure. you know, the, the end in mind is very much social impact, social transformation. I have a deep conviction that if you transform people's quality of life at home, and then people become hospitable, invite each other, each other into that home. That's the step of grassroots social change. Oh, yeah. And so when I think about this project, I certainly want to individualize and particularize people that I'm talking to and hear about their individual homes, but I'm trying to do that in such a way that even, even by merit of having a podcast and a newsletter connected to it so that all of that can, information can be shared and, you know, be, be ways that a person listening, uh, in a whole different country, in a whole different space, uh, with a different set of cultural backings and everything can still learn from it and have a thought of, wow, I could be hospitable in this way, or I could, um, design my space in that way. So it adds up to hopefully, you know, this is, this is the dream scenario. Sure. A lot of people really being impacted by the enticing, beautiful thing of I can be intentional with my home and make it a place where I'm really, really thriving and flourishing and then invite other people into it so that it transforms their home as well. So that's what I'm up to with this. Wow. That's a, that's a great goal. And looking through some of the, the information on, on your website, I see that you've identified six areas really that you are kind of targeting related to your research on home life. What, what are the areas you're looking at related to home life? Yeah, 
obviously home is a multidimensional thing, right? Sure. And, um, but the, the ones that I'm really focusing on have to do with physical space. You know, what are these walls that we're in, the furniture that we have, the, the art on the walls, physical space. Mm-hmm. Second is activities. What do we do in the home? Our hobbies, our cooking, our conversations, our, you know, home exercises, <laughs> our work, whatever it might be, right? A lot of things happen in the home, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so many things. I, I, I remember as I got into this research, this astounding fact hearing that two-thirds of a person's life is spent at home. Wow. I think that's actually increased since working, oh, yeah. from, home, working from home has, you know, blossomed over the last several years. And I believe that we're probably more at like 75% of a person's life is spent at home. There's some good uh, things about that, but also some challenges too. And we'll, we'll talk about that, but yeah. Okay. You talked about physical space. What other, some of the other areas? Yeah. Activities. Um, then I would add rhythms and rituals. So this has to do more with how we engage time in our homes. So, um, having that morning rhythm ritual of slowly waking up, uh, that nighttime wind down, that monthly clean the house, deep clean, <laughs> all of these sorts of things that it's really helpful for us, I believe, as people to get into good rhythms and rituals that help us have an uplifting experience in our homes. It make a real difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And it removes some of the guesswork from it. So it's not like, oh, when will I find the time to do that? Oh, no, it's just built in like a habit for me of how I am at home. Yeah. So that's the goal. Okay. The next one is relationships. So uh, most people live with people, whether they're roommates or pets or children or whoever (laughs) it might be, aging parents. Um, There are obviously some folks who live solo, but even for folks who live solo, I think it's important that we think about our social lives out of our home. And what does it look like to be very intentional with our relationships at our home? Because I believe even the act of inviting somebody over is a vulnerable and intimate thing. You let them see what your living room looks like and the family (laughs) photos hanging on the wall and, you know, the smell of your house as you're cooking food, all of that sort of stuff that, uh, you know, you you get to invite people into. Um, I think it's really important. Absolutely. Uh, that gets into the next one, which is hospitality. Um, there's such an overlap between relationships and hospitality in my mind uh, and social life, because, uh, again, I believe in the importance of our homes, not just being for us, but actually our homes are for our communities and the people we hold dear. Uh, our homes are for people in need as well. So mm. we're, we're big believers of intentionally inviting people over who we know are having a hard time in their lives and we host them for a good meal and we have a nice long conversation on the couch and we just make it a point to hear them out. Um, yeah. What one of the episodes I did early on, I live in this neighbor, I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, kind of a mid-sized city in, yeah. in, in the South. And when I moved here, this local couple kind of saw me walking my dog one day and we just struck up a conversation. They invited me to come to one of their um, neighborhood dinners where uh, the man is is part Italian and he, he likes to cook. And so he makes different meals from a different region in Italy. 
And then he talks about that region and the food in that region. And then the people that attend bring wine, hopefully from that region. But it's just a great time to get to know your neighbors. And, you know, they're very hospitable and it's really, you know, led to a lot of great relationships. So, yeah, hospitality and, and relationships, I definitely see how that's that's part of it. Well, I think you've got one more. What's the final one you're looking at? Yeah, the final one I'm looking at is learning and growth, which is as much as um, uh, I think we're like at home all the time, I think it's almost a hidden hidden in plain sight thing. The fact that our homes can be places of uh, really powerful personal growth. Okay. And I, I used to operate under this myth that like personal growth is out there somewhere. It's out there professionally. It's in my workplace. It's out there at the gym, you know, I need to work out more or something like that. That's my way to, to grow personally. And then I started asking the question, what does really intentional personal growth look like at home? And it looks like a number of things um, that I, I've explored. And that's one of my questions that I explore with the guests that I, I talk to on my podcast as well. And I just think it's so important to see that connection because our homes are the soil that we're all growing out of, whether we like it or not. <laughs> That's a good and, way to, good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so let's, let's keep the soil healthy and remember that uh, our homes can be places of growth. And weirdly, I do believe seeing home as a place of personal growth, the dynamics of growth are really in upside down. Uh, so if at the gym or at work, I'm like, pushing hard. I'm like really trying to stretch myself and, you know, make things happen, get things done. One dimension uh, that I think is important to have in personal growth is actually intentional rest, restoration, slowing down, savoring moments, a lot of things that have to do with, uh, you know, the mindfulness, mindfulness meditation space of things, um, spirituality things. And some of that stuff is what growth looks like at home. Obviously there's folks who work out at home and everything too. And that's amazing. I like doing that as well. But, um, I think sometimes part of what personal growth at home looks like is getting really great sleep and setting oh up your life gosh. to get great sleep. Right. I, I could definitely use more of that. Yeah. So I mean, if you're going to do some episodes on that, I will be tuning in. Hey, um, great. well, you mentioned earlier that you, you know, you're, you're conducting this research. You've actually talked to people all over the world already. I noticed on your website, you've talked to people in several States, but also in Iran, Spain, Italy, Canada, Haiti, Guatemala, and that's just a few. So how do you find these people? And, and is there a certain way you're approaching the research, certain questions you ask, or how's it kind of unfolding? Yes, I love, uh, first of all, talking to as many people and as diverse of experiences as possible, because I am looking for the below the surface, what's truly human about home. And okay. the way that I'm doing that is asking people of all races, genders, nationalities, uh, you know, religions, creeds, you know, so on. I'm, I'm really trying to go as broad and as diverse as possible in this research. So that's a high value for me. And also it's just so fun to connect with people who are in Guatemala, in Spain, have moved all around the world. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. It's really a blast. Did you know some of these people? Do you find them just by searching or 
you know, we kind of connected through a, a podcast service that kind of links up guests and hosts. Are you finding them in different ways or how do you get them? Yeah, the majority of people that I connect with are actually online. So through Twitter, that's actually an amazing platform okay. to connect with people. Uh, then also through a platform called Polywork, which is kind of like a LinkedIn competitor. Okay, um, It's all about high collaboration. So you can post on there hey, I am looking for a podcast guest to record. This is my, what my podcast is about. I'm looking for folks who are out of the United, outside of the United States and people responded. Okay. So when I, actually one of the very first episodes I released was an interview with a woman in Iran. And it, I thought it was just such a powerful opportunity to interview a, a woman in Iran and at least how it's casted for me in the United States, like, being a woman in Iran is a very difficult thing, you know, like mm -hmm. there's less freedom, there's so on and so forth. And I, I got to have like a nice long conversation with her after connecting with her online. And it was uh, honestly astounding um, how similar her life sounded to any, any 27 year old I might talk with here in the United States. It's a lot of the same human questions about how do I navigate relationships with my mom? Uh, we live together. I'm, I'm getting older, but she still wants to treat me like a kid. Uh, how do I navigate my career? I want to become a freelancer doing translation work, but it's like same human things. And she talks about her pets and her plants and everything like that. And I, I was, there's also some very specific things about Iran and her experience living there. Uh, and how you know, she, she's not the biggest fan of her government. Um, and actually a lot of her generation are not. So that was an incredible thing to learn. But so much of it also felt so familiar. And yeah, it, sound, it sounds like you're finding some commonalities, you know, in these different diverse people and places that you're having these conversations. Some differences, I'm sure, as well on how that's expressed. But it's interesting to see that some of the underlying issues are the same. Yeah, absolutely. They are it, because at the end of the day, we're all human beings and we've got the same sort of dynamics going on in our life. They've got different expressions. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we need to eat and sleep and connect with people and work and so on. Right. Abs um, absolutely. I think one of the other persons that you talked to was a furniture creator or designer and had some interesting things to say about design. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Absolutely. I, I would love to talk about him. His name is Brian Jacobson and he is a Danish wood furniture designer trained in Scandinavian wood furniture design, um, which is kind of like the stuff of a lot of mid-century modern sleek, uh, you know, you see no joints in the wood and He's like an expert, a pro at this. So I got to have a nice long conversation with him because I was curious what, I was curious about so many things with this guy. Like sure. we just yeah. got into like an amazing conversation. Can you teach me how to do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it ended up going to really interesting places where we were thinking uh, out loud together about what are the principles or values behind Danish wood furniture design, Scandinavian style, 
where it is very sleek and seamless and you don't see the joints and it's very clean and minimal. What's the connection between that principle of design and actually how people live their lives at home in Denmark, where that is the furniture they're all living in. And what we found was this very fascinating connection where he's describing to me his home in Denmark. At this point, he's moved to the United States. But it's like, he would say, you know, the whole space is designed to be very minimal and you never have anything out. Everything's put away. Honestly, like all the colors on the walls are gray and cool. And the way that you bring life to your home is you have to like light a fire, light a candle and invite people over. So that's, in, that's really interesting. Yeah. It, wasn't that so interesting? And he, as a, a person from Denmark, ha, there's like this, this like, you know, hit, hit topic that has spread worldwide called Huga, which is the Danish art of essentially like coziness and being at home and uh okay like chilling out and having a, a slow simple conversation with people and uh the stuff that you do in the winter months uh when it's just so frigid outside and that's uh so we we started talking about that now he is also at this point immigrated to the united states got married um, was living in san diego now in vermont and so i started asking him like you know, tell me about Danish sugar versus like American home and American coziness and stuff. And, and then of course him as a furniture designer, he's talking about the differences in furniture. So it's not this like sleek wood, slightly uncomfortable furniture, uh, that you don't really want to like get too cozy and settled in, yeah. in Denmark. Whereas in the United States, we got these plush couches that are just yeah. so cushiony. You could sink into it forever. Right. Take yeah. a long, take a long nap there. <laughs> exactly. Fall asleep, watch football, right? Like that, that's the sort of thing. And he was so fascinating uh, to, to talk to because he had this very special immigrants experience of having fully lived in both of these cultures and is able to give such a clear, almost like pro cons list, a compare contrast of these two different ways of going about home, jumping off of what the furniture's like. Yep. So I'm going to go listen to what this guy says about that, because you're right. The, the furniture you have, the design that you have can influence, you know, the functionality of the home, how you feel there. But yes. then you don't have to be limited to that. It sounds like you could, there's other ways to bring in that warmth or whatever than just the furniture that's there. Is that kind of what he's saying a little bit? Exactly. So, yeah, even if you have some like super sleek, uh, you know, minimal furniture, there's ways to bring life into the home through art on the walls and the colors that you paint and having people over and all of these kinds of things that make for a, a truly lively place to live that you, you want to be in. That reminds me of an, of an episode I did a couple of months ago. So actually, actually somebody you might want to talk to a professor who did some research on what you can do in your home to um, spark creativity and innovation. And it's everything from the different colors that you use, how you arrange things, um, you know, the views you have from your windows and different things like that. And really interesting, the different ways that design impact the way our minds think and the way that, that we relate to people. So that's, that's really cool. Oh, so I, I would love if you would 
be down to get me in touch with that. Absolutely. I will, I will send you his contact information um, after our discussion today. You've already talked to quite a few people, um, Matt, is, is there anything that's coming out? What are some practical steps that, that people can take to transform the, the quality of life at home? We just talked about design. That's one way how you design your home, the furniture you use. But what are some other ways that people can, can take steps to transform their home life? I'd say yeah, three things immediately come to mind. The first is a, a real inventory of yourself. So one huge uh, insight coming from my research is that people often use this phrase, uh, feeling at home somewhere. And everybody wants to feel at home where they are. Absolutely. And, uh, what I what I found through kind of like asking so many people about that, like, what do you mean? And what <laughs> what, what emerged was this this realization that what people mean by feeling at home is their inner world reflect is reflected in their outer world. Um, so what I think about, value, believe, feel, the environment reflects or supports that or um, resonates with it or, or something like that. So for example, let's say I really, really, really value, like I, I'm a huge fan of classic cars. Okay. You know? um, and I just like love classic cars and my off time, my hobbies, all I want to do is like look up websites on classic cars and I actually fix up classic cars on the side and so on and so forth. Now, it's possible to set up our homes in order to support these kinds of things that we value and the hobbies that we have and um, the things that we love looking at or researching. And so for that person, I'd be like, you really need to have a classic car, you know, coffee book, coffee table book. Um, yeah. You probably need to have like a section of your house where you can hang some posters of some of your favorite classic cars so that like you can just like really enjoy that as like a thing that inspires you and helps you be represented in your space. Right. That makes and, sense. Yeah. Right. Like I think it totally does. You might, you might need the place in the garage where you can do your work um, for, for folks who do that kind of thing. Right. I just did a, uh, did know. an episode on garage living, so you should check no that. Out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got to get amazing. the plug in there. Yeah. Okay. That's one of what, so what's a couple other ways that you've found yeah. steps people so, can take? Yeah, so if that's the first one, inventory yourself, think about your values and, and so on, um, and then set up your space to support it all. The, the second would be uh, for you to cast a uh, like an ideal week in your home. So like thinking about, okay, if my week at home is going so perfectly well, what would that look like? So it would look like um, slow mornings every day. It would look like uh, going to sleep by this time. It would look like hosting people every weekend on this day. Um, but having a sketch of my ideal week at home in your mind, um, it would look like working from this hour to this hour and taking a break to go take the dog for a walk at, at this time, you know, like, but doing that work of thinking, wow, what would my ideal week at home look like? Because if you know that, then you can help set up your home to support that, right? Is that the kind of thinking behind it? That's exactly it. So, and because part of what I'm invested in this project is thinking of home in this multifaceted way, which includes like 
how do we spend our time at home, right? Uh, what think? What are the rhythms and rituals that are valuable for us to create? And so, a very tangible example of this for for me and my wife is uh, we value candlelit times in the evenings at least once a week. That's like one of the things that helps us slow down. We're, we're better at having a long intentional conversation if we're doing that. And that's the kind of thing that is on rhythm for us, right? Yeah, it's kind of, kind of hard to do if you're both on your phone, the TV's on and you know, the kids yeah. playing and the, you know, you got, you have to be more intentional about it. Absolutely. I, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> it. Um, just last night we had one and it was like, a long conversation it hit some parts that were hard and like those things that we needed to talk about that we hadn't had the time uh, to talk about and we did it and some parts were teary but you know what i'm so glad we did and it led to us feeling connected um, makes so, makes difference in relationships i would think to have that kind of time without a doubt yes yes so uh yeah definitely like charting out ideal time rituals that come out okay. of that would be really valuable the last big um, recommendation I would give people is to consider uh, their life with their possessions. What does your relationship to your possessions look like? Do you, do you like actually love the things that you have? Um, or are they things that you feel like, man, I just kind of picked this up, <laughs> uh, you know, at a garage sale years and years ago, I don't really like it at all. Um, but it was cheap and what have you. And that sort of stuff, I believe that our environments can help lead our state of minds. So if we're around possessions that inspire us, that uh, are functional for us, that are useful, then I believe it opens up a whole new world of possibilities when we're intentional with our possessions. You sound you sound a little bit like Marie Kondo or the <laughs> the, min, the minimalist guys, which which I love both of those. I, I'm not really a minimalist, but I trending a little bit toward that. I have friends who are family who are, in my view, kind of borderline hoarders. I, I tend to have the opposite thing. And and then, you know, like a week or two later, I'm like, darn, I wish I hadn't given that away or whatever. But I don't know. I've found that when you do what you just said, when you're more intentional, you know, why do I have this position? Does it, do I value it? Do I use it? Is yeah. it meaningful to me for some reason? Then that is worth keeping and all that other stuff, you know, it may just be taking up space in your home that you could open up for something more meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. And so often I think it's the case that some possessions are, are frankly kind of dead weight, you know, <laughs> like we, we have a lot of stuff in our place. Like we live in a relatively small kind of one and a half bedroom apartment here in San Francisco. And I think we just got way too much stuff and it's not because I, I want to be hyper minimal or anything, but it's just a question of what's really functional for us. Of course, we want to have some family photos hanging on the wall and all of that. So we're, it's not about like some sort of a total purge of everything or something like that. And that is a thing that I like about Marie Kondo's approach where she really lets people hold on to anything at all. So long as it sparks joy, and that's just a, an amazing parameter on which to choose what, what do I want to keep? What do I want to throw away and all that? I interviewed a, that remind me, I interviewed a, uh, home organization professional who was trained in Marie Kondo's yeah. philosophy or, you know, approach or whatever. 
and we talked, we had a discussion about this, you know, you know, what do you keep? And, you know, it's not just about necessarily being a minimalist because I, when I interviewed you behind her, she had this huge wall that was like a bookcase filled with books. And I bet, you know, she had hundreds of books and she said, some, some of my friends think, you know, why do you have all that? You can, you know, you yeah. get that on your computer, save all that space, you know, <laughs> sure. but for her, that's very meaningful that, you know, those books represent, you know, something specific in her life and she just enjoys books. So that sparks joy for her or yes. somebody else that might just be stuff on a case that they're not really getting any value of. So I think that's an interesting conversation to have. It is, it is. And, and I think that's where it comes back to this, the, most important first step, I believe, is know yourself, know your values. What are the things that you care about? Uh, even also from the personal growth angle, what are the things that you hope to grow into? And oh, that's um, good. And like asking the question, how can I set up my space to help me move towards the things that I value more or stretch into some sort of transformation I want to see in my life? Well, that's and uh, it's really helpful. That's a great lead into the next question I wanted to ask. I know you were, you were, and I don't know, maybe you're still doing this, but you were a transformational coach, right? That's right. Yeah. You, you helped like over a, over a thousand people and with personal development and growth, right? Yes. Yes. So I can see why that's important to you. So I'm, I'm curious as you've done this research, are, are you learning anything or having conversations with anyone about how they can leverage their home or their home life to grow or develop? Yes, yes, I most definitely am. Uh, for one thing, I would just say, for for better or worse, my angle on life tends to be towards growth. Like I have a growth orientation. I like thinking okay. what's next, especially from more inward angles of transformation, transforming mindset, motivation, um, these kinds of things. Because I think that's the the bedrock from which so much flows in our lives. And so, from conversations with people, I've got to talk with. <laughs> I mean. Uh, entrepreneurs and uh, independent business owners, creators and researchers and, and so on. One example standing out to me, I had this conversation with a very, very successful young entrepreneur based in Spain, originally from Lithuania. He's 20 years old. He's killing it entrepreneurially. I look at him and I'm like, boy, oh boy, I wish I had uh, you know, a dose of what he had uh, when he was young. And and he got to tell me about some of what motivates him and how he sets up even his home to help him stay motivated and focused on his goals. Uh, so two things stood out in that. First is he's all about mentorship and getting mentors, right? Okay. So whenever there's an opportunity for him to seek advice from other people, he is in the mode of let me get perspective and have a connection with somebody pay for that mentoring call, whatever it might be, right? Like that's his mode now. So that in of itself, I think is a helpful thing. And sometimes that's happening in the home, I bet, either through relationships he has with people or neighbors or whatever, or through yeah. online meetings like like we're having now, right? Exactly, yeah. And it, funny enough, like his one of his early mentors who got him to move out to Spain uh, was a real estate agent. So it was all about <laughs> <laughs> thinking about home and everything as well. So that's part of what he got. That's cool. in. The other thing that he said that was so interesting to me, and it feels like it's right out of a, uh, like a young person's mind that hasn't like learned the do's and don'ts of how your home should be yet. He is very intentional with his goals and he puts post-it notes of his goals up all around his home. 
so he so that he's like always getting a reminder of i can't remember exactly what he said but it's something like 50k by june right and so it's like <laughs> It's like that kind of thing where it's just like, this is my business goal. That's what I'm set out to do. I will accomplish it. I'm going to have all of these signals reminding me to chase this down and make it happen. And so he goes and he opens the fridge and there's a post-it note that tells him 50K by June. The, he opens his like medicine cabinet, 50K by June. Like it's just all there all over his home. It's like where... visual visual cues or reminders, right? Exactly. And it's so simple. And yet, I don't know, like, one one person, you know, who's my age or older who's doing something like that. It feels like something I might have tried to do in college or something like that. But it's actually really, really brilliant and is such a great example of the ways we can leverage our home to be very focused on our goals by doing such a simple practice as that. And I, I, I thought it was just such an interesting and novel way to go about it. Absolutely. We're having this conversation. It looks like you're in your home now, right? That's right. Okay. I'm actually at a place called Common House, which is like a social club co-working space in, oh, in so Chattanooga, cool. which is kind of a home away from home. But more, more people are, are working from home than ever before, partly because of COVID, some other yes. reasons. Um, good and bad about that. What do you think is the best framework to create some healthy boundaries? Because you don't want to just be working all the time or feeling like you never get away from it, right? Yeah. What are you learning about that as you talk to people about home? I learned so much that I actually felt like it was a pressing problem for me to provide solution for, actually. Okay. So this is maybe like my first output coming from all the research was actually creating a workshop to help people create good boundaries between work and home. Oh, that's and right. I think that's, that's on your website. People can sign up for that there, right? That's right. Yeah. If you go to the website at the top, there's a, a link for workshop and you'll find it. Um, but basically what the framework I created is coming out of all this research and paying attention to what helps people have good boundaries at home or not. And I came up with like a simple like framework. I call it the mustard framework. <laughs> uh, it, it's like MS. TTRD. It stands for uh, mind. So how do we good, create good boundaries in our mind um, through different practices that we do in order to mentally differentiate between home and work? Okay. Um, space. How do we uh, use space in such a way that it allows us to detach from work or attach to work or uh, detach from home and attach to home? Uh, so for example, having that dedicated workspace in your home yes. is an example of space. Versus like carrying your computer to every, or your laptop to every room in the house and working all over. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Which we've like, probably all done at one time or the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And I mean, yeah. there's no problem with that too. I think it, like that might be even some of the value of being able to work from home. Okay. One more I want to um, ask you about, which I thought was interesting. I, I mentioned earlier the Italian dinners we have in our, in our neighborhood, which were great, but you, I understand, are an uncertified expert on how to host the ultimate dinner party. In fact, you can yeah. download a free checklist that Matt shares through his website, which I've done, and it's got some good, great ideas on there. Um, what made you do that, and how, how, what, what makes you think that's important related to home, being able to uh, you know, give some thought to hospitality and maybe a dinner in your home? 
the the biggest reason why <laughs> I was geared towards this is I just love hosting people for dinner. I love cooking. Uh, I love having people over. I love um, getting to create a space, lead a space for folks, have a good conversation, tell stories, banter, have moments for those tender connections that happen in, in the lingering conversations after dinner. I love that stuff, right? So on one level, again, it's just a deeply intrinsically motivated thing. I care sure. about it. The other thing though, is I believe from the research, like the, the problem areas that people run into, into with home are things like a sense of disconnection, uh, feeling isolated, uh, feeling like things are untidy and disorganized and uh, how am I ever gonna get my home in order? Um, also feeling like there's not room for them to uh, kind of keep leading and growing as well. And I actually think hosting a dinner party I'm going to just say it like hosting a dinner party is the keystone habit for creating a great home life. I think if we put it on routine and consistently do that one month by month, it requires us to clean the house. It requires us <laughs> to do some, some teamwork with our uh, roommates or partners or whatever, or friends who are going to help us host it um, to organize it all. Uh, we get to be in this service state of mind, which I think is really important as well for leadership and a sense of uh, being a person about our communities. We get to savor good meals and be in the moment with people. And then especially for to combat what I think is a really sad epidemic of loneliness in our world, we get to have nice long conversations that can be intimate with people. I think it's just such a beautiful way to connect with people and I, I'm trained in coaching and counseling and all of that kind of stuff. So I tend to want to ask questions about what's going on deeper below the surface in people. And I think especially those lingering conversations after dinner, those end up being prime places where people are open to, to being vulnerable. Um, sometimes there's some tears shed on the couch and sometimes we have a moment, me and my wife, to show some love to some of our friends who come over. We love those moments. That's awesome. Definitely encourage you to check out this checklist, and, and we'll include a link to that as well in the show notes. But Matt, this has been great. I could talk to you for hours about home. Maybe we'll have another conversation um, yeah, going forward. But um, it's funny that you mentioned earlier, you know, th this question of what makes people feel most at home. Because that's the question I ask every single guest that appears on this podcast is the last question. So, so now I'm going to ask it to you. What makes you feel most at home? Uh, I'm having a strangely emotional response. To that's this okay. Question. I think it's togetherness. That's the biggest thing that makes me feel most at home. I get to be with people that I love, I get to host them, feed them, I get to have a nice long conversation. I get to play with my baby, you know, those things, just like a sense of we're together. And not only is it like, is home a place for me? It's a place for you too. That's awesome. What a, what a great answer and, and what a great way to, to end in the podcast. Matt, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate the work that you're, you're doing and look forward to staying in touch with that and learning from that. 
And I know listeners are going to benefit from the insights that you shared today, and, and we'll direct them to your your podcast. Um, but thanks so much for being with us. And thank you, Chip. This was such a delight, and I'm so grateful to have a partner in the mission of helping people have great homes that they love. It's, it's like such a joy and delight to talk with somebody equally as invested in that. Hey, listeners, if you're interested in learning more about Matt's research, his podcast and newsletter, you can check out his company's website at homelifedesignlab.com. I'm including links in the show notes and on our website, homewhereyoubelong.com. As always, thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying the podcast, tell your friends about us. We want to help you continue experiencing that feeling of being at home wherever you are. So please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and visit our website at homewhereyoubelong.com. Want to join in on discussions, ask questions, or share feedback and ideas? Join our Facebook group, visit us on Instagram, or send an email to chip at homewhereyoubelong.com. We'll see you next time. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.